0: Hi, and welcome back to another episode of The Property Management Show with Brittany and Marie. The Property Management Show is brought to you by 4 Talf Marketing Agency for Property Managers. We hope all of you, all of our listeners, are safe,
1: healthy, and happy right now. Today's guest is Anna Myers. She is a data scientist who is also an expert in real estate investing throughout the United States. She is the current Vice President of Grow GrowCapitus Investments.
0: So, Anna, thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited to have you here. Can you start by just giving us a little bit about your background, who you are, um, why we should trust your, your input, your information? Sure. Um, well, hello, everybody. My name is Anna Myers.
2: Um, I serve as the vice president at uh, Grow Capitalist Investments, which is a syndication company in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, we have acquired uh, 13 um, properties, assets across the United States in the past 18 months, um, uh, which equals up to, I don't know, something about 1,800 units. So mostly residential, a little bit of multifamily, and then we're starting to get into self-storage. Um, we don't invest in California. Let's just get that clear right away. Everything is um, is outside of California. Um, and we invest along with our investors. So, so we um, find the deals, we source the deals. We vet the deals and do everything to line up the deals. And then with our investor money, that's how we we co-purchase with them uh, through a syndication. And then um, we run the project. So we are uh, the asset managers that work uh, with the property managers. We do not have a property manager firm, right? So in fact, these are spread across the United States. So we don't have a single property manager that's over all of them. They each have their own. So I have the advantage as the, um, because I am the the asset manager. So every week I'm on calls with these different properties and I get to experience a lot of different property management styles. Um, And so that's been very informative to me. And um, we have both class C and class B and class A properties, although the class A properties are all under construction. So I would say that the tenant base now is all class B and class C um, in uh, various states across the United States. How's
0: that? I love it. That's what I feel like, because I was, I was going to ask Marie and I both wanted to ask how, how can your experience assist with property managers when they're trying to communicate to their property owners about things that are happening in our current economic climate, what to expect, mm-hmm. um, so on and so forth. But you answered the question perfectly. You're talking to property managers all the time.
2: How- yes. Yes. And, and so I'm, I'm in the, uh, I, I have. Two main people that I that I'm concerned with. I'm concerned with my investors who I co own with, and I'm concerned with my residents, right? The people that live in my uh, in, in our units, um, and the property manager is my boots on the ground. That's that's facilitating the engagement with the res- residents. That's facilitating making sure that we're following all the rules and regulations um, within that that metro, and um and and they're the ones showing the apartments. And they are the ones, most importantly, that are executing our business plan. So when we purchase a property, um, we have a business plan that we show our investors, here's what we're going to do with this property. This property is maybe a 1985 building. It hasn't been updated in a while. Here's the things we're going to do to it. We're going to push rent. We're going to renovate the units. As the tenants move out and the new tenants move in, we're going to be able to push it up to market rent. And that's how we're going to drive the projected returns for our investors. Well, that doesn't just happen with me sitting in an office in California. I rely on my property manager to execute the plan. So we have a very tight partnership with our property manager to make those things happen. And um, the one thing I didn't uh, mention is that we are a very data-oriented company. Both my business partner, Neil Bawa and I, our background is in technology. So as technologists, we apply data science to real estate. So we're all about the numbers. We like to say, you can't manage what you can't measure. So we have very specific um, like spreadsheets, we call them trackers, and uh, uh, things that our property managers need to fill out on a weekly basis so that we can stay on top of the data. So we can look at, and those, those um, trackers um, basically generate charts for us so that we can see trends in our property. The data is all lying in the software that the property manager has. and Interestingly enough, um, as we have different property managers, as I mentioned, but coincidentally, every single property manager is using a different software.
0: Yeah. Yep. There, are <laughs> <out> there, right? <laughs> there
2: are a lot out there, right? There are a lot out there. And so how do we, uh, because we you know own all these different properties, how do we get the data that we need to be able to make good decisions? Well, we require, we don't just ask, we require that our property managers um, take the information out of their system and put it into our tracker so then across all of our portfolio we can look at all of the data in the same way and and recognize trends and realize where the property is going see where things are going wrong see where things are going right
0: so is this is this um is this like a set of KPIs or is it more yeah, comprehensive sure. than that yes it's like a set of KPIs
2: um and then we have we go over them on our weekly calls, So we have a weekly call with the property manager. They, um, I don't know if you want to talk about the reports that, that we go through, they're pretty common, but sure. uh, sure. So, so for example, there's the Monday morning report. So the MMR and we have a specific uh, Excel, we actually make it a Google sheet that we have them fill in and that gives us all the data related to um, vacancy occupancy, economic occupancy, um, incoming leads, so the traffic that's come in, where we're trending to, so notices to vacate, so we see what's in the property now, who's told us they're moving, and, and what is our exposure? What's our net exposure um, You know, two, three, four weeks down the line, so we can understand where we're trending. Uh, it's got a lot more data than that. We're all, we really are a lot about collections and delinquency as well. So at different part, points of the month, which I know we're gonna talk about more, um, mm-hmm. we're, we wanna know where we are for collections. Um, and, and uh, not just collections this month, but we're all we're wanting to know about bad debt, evictions, all that type of stuff. So these are all the types of things that are covered on the MMR, and we're, very, we're watching all the time. Um, the other thing that we, uh, we are watching every week is what we call our CapEx tracker. So with the CapEx tracker, they are filling in the renovations that they're doing. Now, these are value-add properties, right? So they're doing a turn, they might be doing a classic turn, Right, you guys know what a classic turn is. Where okay, so when you, when you, there's when somebody moves out in an apartment, there's two ways that you can handle that unit. You could just go in and basically clean the carpet and uh, you know, clean it and move the next person in. That's a classic turn, okay? So you just do the least that you need to do. Maybe you touch up the paint, right? right. And then there's all kinds of levels between a classic turn and a premium turn, and the premium turn is where you're pushing it to the top of the market Um, depending on the class of tenant and the, the, uh, that you might be doing granite countertops. You might be removing walls to open up the space. So that would be more of a premium renovation, right? But you would only do that if you're able to really able to push the rent, like 250 bucks up. If, if the tenant base is not that type of thing, you might be doing some type of a moderate upgrade where you're resurfacing the bathtub, you're changing the paint colors, you're replacing the carpets with the, um, the, the vinyl, you know, that type of thing. So you're still investing like $4,000 in the unit. And then maybe you're getting a rent bump of like 125, something like that every month. Okay. So my property manager is the one that's doing that. Right. When, remember, I have a thing that's called a business plan. So my business plan, when I first created it said, how much is it going to cost for me to turn the units to get the rent bump that I want? So my, my spreadsheet, my original underwriting said, because I worked with my property manager, they helped me create this budget before I bought the building. And they said, it's to for $5,000, we're gonna do that this certain level of turn and we're gonna be able to get this rent bump. Great, so that's what my business plan is based on. Now, on a weekly basis, I'm tracking that business plan. They're turning the units and sometimes they're gonna hit that $5,000 mark. But if, they, if I'm not tracking it, those numbers can start to creep up and suddenly it's costing 6,500, $7,500 per unit. And they're not hitting the 125 rent bump. They're only getting 65 or 70. That's a big problem for me as an owner. So by, by us having um, a data tracker that we were both looking at every week um, it, it becomes very clear if there's a problem and that leads us to have a discussion. It's not, um, you know data is data the numbers are going to tell you the truth so is the problem that they're overspending are we spending too much on labor or did we did we miscalculate it when we created that budget were we wrong so there, there can be anything in between right so yeah. but by having the data in front of us we're able to get out in front of the problem if one occurs and then pivot yeah maybe maybe we were just wrong prices have gone up right and now it's got it's costing us 6200 to do what we thought we could do for 5000 well, now I know that, and I'm going to have to find that $1,200 somewhere else in my budget. I've got to make it up someplace else, and and that's what data and um, the ability to track and the partnership with my with my property manager. So I'm not being mean by asking my property manager to give me this data. It's a partnership for us to execute the business plan together and know at all times where we are, so that we can um, make good decisions about what, how we're going to move forward and and what we're going to do from here. Because again, I'm concerned about my Mm residents and I'm concerned about my investors both.
1: Yeah. And so that was a really, really great um, description of your relationship, right? And so to our listeners, um, we're very privileged to have Anna here because with her unique experience and like situation, we can peek inside the mind of an owner who is, data-driven but who's not letting like the emotions get in the way of doing business it's like let's look at the data and so yeah we're gonna literally use that to help you guys our listeners navigate these really really difficult times with your own owners so Mm -hmm. um, given that you're talking about data And, you know, in the normal time, you would have your um, Monday morning report and looking at the numbers, you mentioned you're really big on delinquencies on certain points of the month. So we're currently, yeah, yeah, especially now. So um, we're recording this April 30th. So, um, you know, rent's going to be due soon. And um, so what are the kinds of shifts that you Um, are expecting in the numbers in different areas of the U S because you have properties all over, right? So there are, are there areas that you expect um, you know, bigger shifts than others and why?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I would say it's not, so there's, there's the areas of the U S but I think you have to make it more localized than that. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at within a city is that city or in other words, uh, one of the things we immediately started asking our, our, our property manager once Corona hit was for um, a list of the employers of our tenants so that we could understand the uh, the exposure that we have if businesses started to close. And then we also categorized, you know, not only the name of the business, but categorizing them to see, you know, are they retail? Are they service? Do they work in a restaurant? Are they medical? Um, So that was an important thing for us to understand is, is um, where do they work? So if you're in a Metro that has, uh, like say Las Vegas, oh boy, good luck. You know that's that's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, Reno, same same thing. So if we have a lot of service industry um, people that are are your tenants, that's going to be very very challenging. The other thing you need to look at is the the class of the asset. So class C is having a, a harder time um, collecting than class B or class A. Um, class A tenants tend to be I would say you know depending on the metro they they tend to have more reserves first of all if they did lose their job they'd have more reserves to be able to pay their rent um or they might be able to they might have the top type of job as a white collar worker that could transition that job into their apartment um -hmm. so maybe they're a knowledge worker of some kind and they're they're able to make that transition so they haven't had any impact on their income um but uh, it is more true that the people that are living in the class c um apartment buildings have more exposure to being, um, to their jobs being impacted by the layoffs, I would say. So, so that's what things you have to consider. Those are some of the things that we considered um, is looking at that. And of course, as I said, we have class B and class C, and it is true that our, because we're tracking the data, our class C um, had, had higher delinquency, um, higher collections issues than our Uh class B, but, but none of them were as bad as we thought they would be um, at the beginning of the month. So, so and I think we we're in the same category. I mean, everybody thought, oh, my gosh, this is going to be terrible, right? right? Um, yeah. But I think the stimulus checks and the unemployment um, uh, checks really helped. And, and so a lot of people um, have been able to come through. And the people that haven't been able to come, uh, ha- have struggled more, we've created programs, you know, a promise to pay, Type program where we're working with that with those um, residents to to help them get through because maybe they haven't gotten their unemployment check yet, so it, it's it's de- delayed. So so we're working with them to to get that going. And um, but I will say that there's a lot of communication that the the owners require the property managers to do to convey to the residents what is the situation because there was this whole miss you know, rumors about, oh, I don't have to pay rent because they yeah. can't evict me, so I don't have to pay rent. But that's not true, that, you know, that the only people that sh- are, are put on the Promise to Pay programs are those that can prove, provide documentary evidence that they have been impacted by um, the, the coronavirus and, and they were laid off work or their hours were cut. People that, whose employment was never changed, they aren't given Promise to Pays. They're like, no, your rents still do. So lots of communication, and I just think that the the news media did a really bad job. Uh, they kind of sensationalized that aspect yeah. of it and made it very confusing for people. So it took a, I would say, it took a solid two and a half weeks for all of our property managers to kind of clear that up with the residents. Um, and uh, so so there was that. And then the other thing we we did at the very beginning is is uh, we used our team to research each of the local areas for our buildings and come up with local resources for those residents. So from their, their local, county, um, state, and federal, here are resources for you to get food, um, shelter, You know all of the things that they might need. Because when people are overwhelmed, it's, it's very hard for them. So as the owners, we want to support them so that they have what they need. And provide so by providing them this, this list of basically URLs that says, here's all this information. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to help them get their needs met. That was our, 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 our very early on objective. And you know, here, because there was just so much information out there and we wanted to help them mm-hmm. um, have that. So, so I think it's, that's what, it's not just the responsibility of the property manager. It's the responsibility of the property manager and the owner working together mm-hmm. to take care of their residents.
0: And I have a question off of that. So since you do work with various property managers across the the U S who knows, maybe internationally, not sure. Not yet. Um, no. Not yet. Someday um, <laughs> since you're working with your property managers, are you coming up with different, are, are you coming up with the messaging that's going out to the residents or is this the property manager and they're running it past you for approval, approval? How, what does that look like? And I'm, I'm the reason that's I'm really asking is, um, I'm, I'm kind of getting to, have you found uh, a more productive or efficient way to communicate um, to people, to residents?
2: Yeah. So there is a, a website. What is it? The the uh, internet is that I-M-A-H-E, something like that. Oh, I M H E. No, it's it's a different one. It's it's, it's the multifamily um, kind of national organization, NMHE something like that. And so they were putting out some great content. And it was all about how to talk to your tenants. Here's things you could use. Here's a letter. It was like a template of a letter that, that you could just could replace your logo. And it was, it was a word doc. So you could write, you could say, Oh, that doesn't resonate with me. I'm going to change that sentence. And it was incredibly helpful. So, so I, as the owner was um, collecting, curating this content and and sending it out to my property managers. And then they were able to take that and, and tailor it to, to their community. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to rely on my property manager for uh, knowing the pulse of the community. They're there. They know those people. They're the, the regional property manager. You know, we, we've got the regional as well as the local, cause we're, we're larger uh, apartment buildings. I have to trust them. If I don't trust them, first of all, I might as well fire them. Yeah. Right. So let's assume, let's just have that assumption. I trust my property manager and I have to trust them to do their job. So I'm giving them the material to communicate, and then I'm asking them. I'm saying to them, "Here are some best practices I've heard. There's ideas of you know giving incentives like this. There's ideas about concessions like this. There's and then I have to say, what do you think? Do you think that's going to be effective? Do you think we need to go there?" And it was different across different communities. So for some communities, um, what we did to incentivize people to pay to pay their rent um, for April first is we gave everybody that paid their rent before the first or on the first, we gave them a $50 gift card. No, no strings attached. Hey, wow. everybody's having a hard time. Corona's hitting everybody hard. Everybody needs a little help. So we're incentivizing you to turn, it, turn in your rent and we're gonna give you a $50 gift card. They, so this one, one of our buildings, they actually um, messaged back the office and they thought it was a scam because
0: they're like- <laughs> What? You're good to be true. Yeah.
2: But but, but honestly, this is a time where we all need to be generous Mm -hmm. and, and help each other. Right. And so that is kind of the the way we're like, you work with us, we'll work with you. Right. Uh So, um, and then we had other communities where the, the, the property manager was like, I just don't think we need to do that. I'd rather take that and instead do like a drawing to, to be like, you know, let's only let's, you know, only five people get it, you know? Um, so I have to rely on my property manager, but I also, we also collected data of all, you know, of everybody that did the various things and we're able to say, well, these two properties are in the same locale, but this one did this and this one did that. And this one had 8% better collections. So now we're going to take that data and go back to the other property manager and say, well, it's only one month's data, but here's the results that we saw.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
2: and so it's just, again, it's that back and forth with numbers, you know, and mm-hmm. we do something, we get the results, we, we quantify it and look at trends and then help, help make decisions about it. Now, I mean, I, we have one property that, um, she said, I don't think I need to do anything. You know, if people, people, uh, we can do a promise to pay if somebody needs it. She collected a hundred percent of her rent. Wow. hundred percent zero delinquency. Yeah. That's the dream. So it, yeah. 151. <laughs> units. So that's not like a 10 unit building. Right. units zero delinquency. And using using no concessions at all
0: was there, there was still communication though right
2: lots of communication yeah. and um, she's actually been um, we purchased that building maybe two years ago something like that and but she's been working at that building for like 20 years so she she knows it so well she says it's her baby like she just she knows all the residents she kind of you know so she's uh, she's really knows the pulse
0: She's like the mama bear of the building. She's the
2: mama bear. But, but owners, I mean, I want to um, emphasize that owners need to find property managers that they can trust to get the job done, you know, and, and put in place things you need. Like we've got these communication tools, which is, you know, data, right? That's communication, it's like, I'll let you do your job. You're showing me that you're doing your job and if, where you're not doing your job, we can pivot and make changes, but I've got to trust my property manager. Um, it, 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 you have to empower them, right? To be able to do their job, um, but it's a continuous discussion these days, and you know how often are we talking these days? We're talking almost daily with our property managers to understand collections. You know what are the collections now? You know what are uh, are there? Is anyone sick? I mean that's another big thing. How how are the residents doing? Um, is, are there any trouble? Are there, are there any problems uh, for no. for solar? Uh huh.
0: Does that? Uh, I think it matters no matter what. But are you paying closer attention to the bigger buildings you have? Like how? What's like the smallest um, apartment building you? The use? smallest is 116. Okay, and so the they're all they're all 116.
2: So they're they're between 100 116 and 240, something like that. Yeah, so okay, yeah,
0: so what, yeah, they're all good sized. I feel I feel like um, it's no longer considered sing. A duplex is still considered single family. Uh multifamily, I feel like once you get past 16, that's kind of going in the higher like end. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people consider multifamily once you get above five, because you're in a commercial loan situation, okay. it depends sense. on how you, you know, what you're using to quantify the data. Mm-hmm. Um, once you get above the point, so we're in the type of multifamily where it's en- enough units and a large enough budget that we can afford a full-time uh, property manager on site as well as a, a full-time repair person. So that's the larger buildings you can afford that, which is a big advantage. So I'm not trying to get my my property manager's attention by like, "Hey, mm-hmm. look at me, pay attention to me. I own them." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> they're they're completely focused on on my community. And so that could be a struggle for some people if they're just if they're one, uh, you know, let's say a property manager that, that manages smaller buildings, mm-hmm. that could be a, a lot harder if they've got like 50 different owners that they're trying to communicate with. But I would go back to data and say, create a report that you can push out to them daily, make it easy on yourself, find the efficiency and send out regular communications saying this is,
0: this is where we are. You well, know, that's amazing because really, and I can't, Most of of our clients at at Four and Half, the marketing company that Marie and I work for, most of our clients are single family residential property managers that Mm -hmm. do between, you know, they might have an owner that owns 10 properties. They do work with some institutional investors that have hundreds that do um, bring in funds together and work that way. But I I feel like that information is super valuable to the property manager because, if you're not looking at that data, which they they yeah. hopefully are, that's a really good thing to bring to your owners. Even if you're just ta- sending out a mass email to your 50 owners or your 200 owners yeah. that pretty much say the same thing. If I'm a property owner and I own one property, and you send me an email saying, "Hey, here's this data," right, that trust yeah. is super validated. Yeah, yeah I would
2: if want I knew- if I would. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say if I if I'm a single family and you you've got three or four of my properties. I right now I would want a weekly communication that shows the collections. Well, you know, you, maybe you're not doing daily because you know, but but on a weekly basis, I want to know what my collection, where my collections are at, mm-hmm. if anybody is sick. Another, that's another big deal, right? Is anyone sick? Um, is anyone at risk of losing their job or you know what? Mm-hmm. what are the risks uh, associated? What happening? Sorry, Marie, I cut you off.
1: Oh no, no, it's fine. Um, I was going I gonna do it all ask- the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, didn't forget me.
1: I was just going to ask, since um, you co-own the properties with you know, um, your investors, um, you talked a lot about the communication, be- communication between you and the property manager. So what about the communication between you, the asset manager, and your co-owners? What does that look sure. like?
2: Sure. So what we do is we have a, a monthly investor update that goes out, and there's a lot of communication. There's a lot of information in it from the property, right? Right. So it's, it's how the property is running, how many units have been turned, um, what the occupancy is. And then there's a lot of text in it about, you know, CapEx project, what, what are the special projects going on? Um, in this time, we, we are almost over communicating. Um, so we sent out, we've added extra videos about, you know, Corona for the market uh, for, from the national level. Um, uh, my business partner is, you know, speaking to the investors to let them know about their specific projects. And what are the risks in that market and, and new construction? You know, so, so we, we added on extra layers of videos um, to, um, I don't want to say over communicate, but extend our communication beyond our regular monthly. We do normally include a market update in addition to the property update, but this is just because gotten expanded. Um, normally for our new construction projects, we do investor updates every bi-monthly, so every other month, but now we're doing a monthly. Um, anytime you've got a crisis like this, um, and you're working with investors or residents, I think it's just people in general, we become what we call chatty Cathy. So you want to increase your communication. If things are going wrong, if things are going potentially the wrong way, you don't pull back and say, I don't want to tell them anything. That's the time to be like, okay, let me tell you what's going on and provide even more information to people. Transparency is very important to us. And um, so we're, we want our, our investors to know exactly what's going on, all the efforts we're taking, but we're not trying to hide anything from them. We want them to know what's going on because they're on this ride with us. They're also a co-owner, so yeah. they deserve to know the data. And then um, on, a, on a quarterly basis, they also receive the financials, so the trailing 12-month and the rent roll. And then on a quarterly basis um so they receive that and then about a week and a half later we do a quarterly webinar which is coming up like next week where we um, present the data to them and and basically tell budget versus actual so remember that business plan i had right Uh so are we performing to the business plan so the the, i'm i'm looking to the property manager to help me with it but my investors are looking to me right because we're the executors of the business plan so on the quarterly webinar, we're showing for each of the, the, the major metrics, like, you know, what is the rental income? What did we budget? And what, what, what was the actual for the expenses? What was my budget? What was my actual uh, other income? And then the, the, the holy grail net operating income. What did I budget? What was my actual? So it's, um, and then we are facing, it's a live webinar and we're talking to our investors And so it's very, we're not trying to be showy and and have flashy graphics. It's it's very boring graphics. And uh, we have to explain each of our things. Why did we miss our mark or why did we make our mark? And then there's time for questions for them to ask us live what's going on. And remember, they got the financials a week and a half before. So they've had a chance to read the financials and then they come and ask us questions because it's all about transparency. I work for them. The property manager works for me. We all work together. To service the residents and the investors.
1: And so, how how do you um, address any of those hard questions that come up when it's live, right? And it's a webinar, and so other people can hear. And um, although you are a co-owner, you can't just say, "Come on, we're on the same boat." Like at the end of the day, you're. You're the one who pitched the business plan and got right. them into it. And although the property manager is the boots on the ground, I feel like to our listeners, as a property manager, you're gonna get all those questions directly because you don't have an Anna Myers right. in between you and the owner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the owners are the
2: ones that that are responsible, that are ultimately responsible. So if if the property is not executing. I am responsible to fire the property manager. <laughs> we tell you that. So, you know, there it, there comes a point where it just becomes abundantly clear that it is that it is not working, right? And again, I've got data, right? I've I've got the data to show. So it's not about being nice and being like, oh, but they're really great, you know? It's like no, it, it's a business decision. Um, so that is a that is a thing, right? So I'm responsible to for delivering the business plan, and if that means changing property managers, then that's what I need to do. But there still could be times, um, like you know, things that are unavoidable that you have no control over. That's you have to communicate to your investor, Um, because we know that we are facing our investors. First of all, monthly we have the monthly communication, which they fire back questions at us, and then quarterly we're talking to them live. We are all about it all the time. Every week we are on it. We're like the quarter. The quarterly webinar is right around the corner, so we have to keep our eyes on this data. We have to. We have to execute this plan. You see, it keeps us honest because we can't hide. We know we're going to be facing them live and they have the they deserve to ask us those questions. So I think it makes us all work harder.
1: It like forces you, right? Because it's it's regular. It's not like out of the blue, you're like, hey, we have this webinar. And then people are like, wait, what's going on? It's regular. And so you know, people are more more calm because if they missed last time, they're like, oh, there's one coming up next time.
2: Well, and plus it's recorded. So if they miss it, they get the recording and every investor update at the bottom has the archives to all the other investor updates and all of the um, webinars that we did. So they have access to all of the information at all times and they can come back to us with questions. And remember, we gave them the financials. So again, we, we are not hiding anything and that's the way it should be they trusted us with their money. And now we are, we, we are the shepherds to make sure that it happens now. So what happens during times of Corona when as an asset manager, um, are we still turning units? Are we still doing those rent bumps? Um, Well, the answer is mostly no, because right now our job becomes uh, wealth. Instead of we're trying to create wealth for investors, our job becomes capital preservation. We're trying to, to preserve the capital that they put in and prevent loss of capital. We don't know what's around the corner, right? No one knows how long this is gonna take. So we are holding back, we're, we're cutting every expense that we can. We're, we're not doing distributions right now, and we are, um, are taking every measure we can to hold on to capital so that we can pay our mortgage. I don't know if any of you have heard about this forbearance program that, that Fannie and oh, Freddie
1: yeah. have offered. It's terrible. Very it's sticky terrible. situation.
2: Yeah. Very sticky. Nobody wants to get into forbearance with Fannie or Freddie. It is not a friendly situation. It is not good for anybody. So in order to avoid that, we, we have to be, you know, we're, we're really in a hard position right now um, because if the tenants don't pay us rent and we've got to pay a mortgage, where does that come from? Well, if we had a good business plan, then we originally, from the get-go, we were well capitalized. That's our, that's our responsibility as conservative um, underwriters of a deal, to be well capitalized. And, and we are. We are across our property. But now, we have to hold on even tighter to that capital until we get through this. And, and you know, once we get on the other side, we can you know, give all the dis- distributions that we didn't have, that we held back. But again, our job changes for our investors. Um, in, in, when it comes to a crisis like this, it's almost like a meteoroid hit the earth, you know, it's a crazy yeah.
1: situation. It's um, like a black swan event.
2: Oh, it's a huge, it's like a meteor arrived on a black swan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's pretty, pretty, um, huge. Um, but we, we still have to think our way through it and, and, um, deliver. And if delivering means we hold on to capital, um, then that's what we do. Um,
0: we oh also question. are going out of our way. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I, I was just kind of, I, I love how you're like, Fanny and Freddie, what have you seen, I keep, I feel like I keep seeing things online um, and I know it's like fake news propaganda, but where tenants are pushing Or pushing back against their property management companies or their property owners if they manage the property and say, well, there are all of these mortgage deferment programs. Why Why do you try it out? Yeah, yeah, like why do I have to pay you rent? And it's like they're obviously not doing research to see. Again,
2: that goes back to the education, right? Yeah. So that that national multifamily organization created a really good dialogue about that. That's great. It's it's about having that dialogue and saying, you know, I, I understand you you heard that or you read that somewhere on the internet. Let's get the real information. Let's look at that information together. I need you to understand the position that, that the owners are in, as well as the, the position you're in. We're we're all going to work together to get through this. And here's what we can offer you to help you get through it. Right. But not paying rent is not an option. We have to pay the utilities. We have to pay the staff. We have to pay you know all these things. And speaking of staff, um, we are um, property managers should be looking at the PPP program mm-hmm. and applying for the Payroll Protection Program. As as uh, as owners of a large asset like an apartment building, the uh, local property manager, as well as the repair anybody any of the staff that's on there, that their money the money to pay them comes out of our budget, but they are not our employees. They're the employees of the property management company, so we cannot apply for PPP. So we, as the asset manager, I'm saying to my property manager, Are you applying for PPP? If assuming they're under 500 people, which all except one of our property management companies are, um, then yeah, they need to be applying. And I know it's not easy, but they've got to do it. And, and all of them have now received PPP. So what does that mean for us? That means, thank you very much. They got the PPP and, and they're going to get funded. That means that eight weeks of, of the payroll um, will be covered in May and June for that local and that regional. And that's going to help us because if we're receiving less rents, which probably is going to happen in May and June, then having some of our expenses absorbed by payroll being covered by this, this grant that's effectively um, through the Payroll Protection Program is, is really a good thing. Yeah. Um, at least that's what I'm saying now. Ask me in two months. And right. We'll you. see. I mean, it can't hurt. It certainly can't hurt, right?
0: Well, less rent, more work, more communication. Yeah.
2: So yeah, I mean, you have yeah. to keep people. Oh yeah you no know, you have to keep people and, yeah. and and um we don't want to uh, fire our staff anyway they're they're critical to running our business so we're grateful that those pro- that program exists right. and by the way the one the one property that that did not qualify for PPP because they the the property management company is too large is uh-huh. the one that had zero delinquency so good news for us
0: yeah <laughs> if, if any
2: of them ha- you know were to be in that situation um at least it's that one totally yeah
1: and so um, I have one more question. Um, mm-hmm. So given that there's a lot of unknowns, um, mm-hmm. do you have like a, a best, medium, worst case scenario baked into the business plan? And mm-hmm. how does that play into, um, you know, your, your communication with your co-owners, with the property managers and the residents?
2: Um, and when you're talking about best, medium, worst, are you talking about like in this current pandemic? Yeah, in a crisis situation versus a, in a regular crisis
1: situation, situation. Yeah. like, um, have you guys you I would know, say both,
0: yeah, yeah, both
1: like in, in normal times, some businesses do that, but then especially now in a crisis situation, um, like, what is the worst thing that can happen, and what are things that you guys are doing to mitigate any risks that in case that worst thing will happen?
2: Well. I'd say, on a regular basis, the way that we mitigate risk is by by doing all the data tracking that we're doing, Mm -hmm. right, and um, staying on trend. So that that's how we mitigate the risk. And um, on a a, we're very active um, asset managers. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, when you have a crisis hit you like this, um, this is where you know you have to look at it and say, what's like they're saying. We have to look at it and say what happened. What do we have to, in the past that's happened, and what what's kind of our our worst case scenario? Because that's what I tend to go to. What is our worst case scenario? How bad could it get? So if we look back at the Great Recession of two thousand eight, multifamily vacancy hit a, a high of of eight point one percent. I believe was the highest the the vacancy had na- nationwide average. Um, so that's reassuring to me <laughs> that you know that it, that that uh it doesn't seem that multifamily vacancy will hit that it will hit that high one of the reasons they're thinking it's not going to hit as high as 8% this time around is because the when the great recession started national vacancy was i think 5.7% was the national mm-hmm. average and the national vacancy the vacancy is at 4.7% so it's it's lower than it mm-hmm. was so we're at a lower starting point so um so we have that room to grow so that to me understanding that I'm not looking at 50% vacancy in my buildings. Mm-hmm. So I can plan for that. I can say, well, they say I might, you know, national average is eight. Well, maybe, maybe it's going to be 10 or 12. So I can start planning around that, 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 that's something I can plan for. Right. And then the other thing you have to look at as a, as real estate investors is what about rent growth? What, what if I have to decrease my rents? Mm-hmm. Um, what's that going to look like? Do I, do I need to cut them in half? What's that going to look like? Well, they're estimating that the rent growth is going to probably decrease by like anywhere from five and a half to six and a half percent. Um, so again, I can get my head around that. Those are not good numbers. That means my investors are not going to be, you know, earning any money, but remember I'm I'm all about capital preservation right now, Mm -hmm. but I can get my head around that. So rent growth is going to be negative, but it's not going to be negative 25% or 50%, Mm -hmm. right? So that's how I prepare for the worst is by looking at data and understanding what that is, and then I can start making plans around it. Um, and you know, get going. Yeah, get down to business.
1: Yeah, that's great, and I, I love how data plays um, an important role in the way you do business with your property managers and your co-owners because. Yeah. You're not letting emotions get the better of you, especially during this time. You're like, yeah. well, um, it, it's scary, but, you know, we only have, you know, such a small amount of non-payment that it barely, we barely felt anything, right? And then in some yeah, area I mean, we felt
2: something, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But and not for that community zero. Right and, and, and the other way that
1: you can battle that
2: is with um, increasing your occupancy. And one thing that, that so we're always working on occupancy, 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 right So and we have some buildings that are 98 99 percent occupied, not all of them. We have some that, that we had just purchased and we were just stabilizing so they were more around 90. So we have a, actually a, a team of people. again, we're technologists, we have what we call a virtual army in the Philippines. and we have a team of people that works on um, creating campaigns and bringing leads, to the apartment buildings. So in addition to what the property manager can, can get by pushing a button on AppFolio and it puts out you know, some advertisements, we have a team that's creating additional additional ads in the background that are leading tenants to the, the building. So awareness
0: then, about the community.
2: and Not just awareness, it's directly ads. So they're actually working with wow. the property manager. They actually log into the software and they know what the availability is. And then they're creating ads on all these different platforms, hundreds of ads and doing things we do. We do all kinds of special things to keep our ads up at the top. So Mm -hmm. search engine optimization. So that that's much more likely that a person's going to click on our ad. So somebody clicks on our ad, they submit it. Well, what does a property manager typically do? Well, the property manager is typically really busy. So that Mm -hmm. ad goes into their email box and it sits there and nothing happens or the phone rings and maybe they answer it. Maybe they don't answer it because they're really busy. Well, our team, as soon as that lead comes in via email or phone, because it's directed to them, they're on it. They're talking to that person. They're booking appointments. They actually book the appointments these days. They're virtual appointments. So they book, book the virtual showing and that's helping to bring uh, more leases into the building. So we're increasing the leases and increasing the occupancy. So we, we, and from that standpoint, we're teaming with our property manager to do part of the job that they don't. And we're doing it at a very low cost. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so that's, that's a, we call it the efficiency center. So we're able to, again, it's all about increasing the, the bottom line for the, um, for the investors. And then our CSRs, are our, our, our customer service reps, they are qualifying the leads when they're talking to them. So they're based on the script. So again, the property manager said, Here's our rules. Here's what we want you to say. So they do that. It's a partnership, and they're sending the leads there, and then that's um, increasing the occupancy. So we don't just sit back. We have to always be pushing, pushing, pushing.
0: I like that. Um, when I I have kind of one more question that you may or may not want to answer, um, <laughs> given. Given you have so much experience, not only in asset management, relationship with property managers, and technology, do you have any foresight or ideas on what to expect over the next couple of months? Well, um, they, you know, they they
2: say um, April, May, June—good, bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So that's that's what people are saying <laughs> that it could get a lot worse, right? Yeah. Um, I, you know, and then there could be another, a second wave that comes, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're talking about the GDP contracting another like, 30%, um, annualized in this quarter. That's a huge number. So, um, uh, that's a really big number. We're probably looking at, you know, most people are, are speculating that there's going to be a, at least a protracted uh, recession through the end of next year. Um, but um, there's still a lot of people in terms of investors, we're really happy that we are in, in a multifamily residential. Think about people that invested in the stock market and how much yep. they've lost. I mean, they're, they're, they are, their money has just evaporated. So for people that chose instead to invest in um, multifamily and um, they're still doing their jobs, they're still able to work, we're doing the, you know, we're doing the active management for them. They, they, don't, they didn't lose their any money you know there's no money lost right now and as we get through this and we sell it a few years they're they're likely to you know have the same projected returns that we we originally offered them yeah so i'd much rather be investing in multifamily right now than than in doing um you know all kinds of other stocks and other other things i mean that i'm glad that we're not in hotels <laughs> oh
1: <laughs> yes
2: um people always have to have a place to live right it's, it's an essential need. And so uh, we're really glad that, that we're doing that. So where do I see that going? I think that's not going to change. People always are going to have a place to live. If you, again, if you look back at the Great Recession, multifamily weathered it very well. Um, there was a lot of single family foreclosures, of course, a lot of, of family lost their home. And I'm hoping this doesn't turn into that because this is not a high housing crisis. This is a, a public health crisis. And I don't want it to turn into a housing crisis. And no one does. Um, but back then, um, a lot of people lost their their homes, but there there was very few multifamily foreclosures. Um, so we have a lot more at our at our disposal to get through this. I think
0: that makes yeah. a lot of sense.
1: I I really love that. It's true that um, no matter how scary the next few months will be, at the end of the day, um, people will need places to live. And um, I think like to our listeners who are property managers, who um, may be getting a lot of questions from your, you know, the property owners, I think um, understanding the fact that it's happening nationwide. It's not just like, you're not screwing up, right? Um, And that at the end of the day, um, all other industries aside, property management, real estate will always be here. So.
2: Yeah. 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 People will always need to, you can't take away a place to live, you know, Mm -hmm. post Corona, you know, they have to have a place to shelter in place. It's not like we're restaurant owners. You know, so many businesses are being turned on their heads right now, and they Mm are going to take years and years to come back. I I don't think that's true necessarily for multifamily. We are probably going to see less rent growth, um, and that type of thing. But I also want to say that I, I don't know if people don't like who they're sheltering in place with, but we have had so many people, uh, so many leases, that are getting leased up right now. Uh-huh.
0: So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I mean, they people want to are move yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, people are like, this is too small, or this doesn't work. But we, we are not seeing. And then, of course, the current residents are tending to stay because they don't want to move in the middle of a pandemic, even if their lease was up and they had a, already submitted their notice to vacate. We check back in with them and say, you know, did you really want to, to move? We can you know, make, make arrangements with you. And so many of those people are staying. So that, that balance of people staying and, and no, no slowdown in leasing, we're leasing up, leasing up, we are getting those occupancy up there and that's going to help um, get through this time. I mean, even if, 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 even if you have 10% of the, the, the tenants that aren't paying you rent, so you've got an economic um, vacancy of 10% during this time or even 15%. If, if your physical occupancy is 98%, then you're still in the upper 80s with the money coming in. But if your occupancy is, is is at, you know, 90% or 88% and you're 15% down, you know, so I would say everybody occupancy up, occupancy up, you know.
0: Well, Anna, it was super great talking to you. Yeah, that's, um, I feel like and this was really refreshing for me cuz we usually um speak with mostly people that are residential single Mm -hmm. family. So it was really amazing for me to just hear a different perspective um, and how you manage your relationships and and your strategies. So thank you so much for that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's all I know. So (laughs) I used to have single families as a real estate investor, but um, multifamily, I I much prefer it. It's much more controllable asset um, than single family. Yeah. Well,
0: and to our listeners, I read somewhere that you did like 25 or 30 podcasts last year. So a lot of podcasts. (laughs) So if you want to hear Anna talk more about what she knows, you should Google her. We'll, we'll put, um, I don't know, maybe we'll put your LinkedIn in the, in the description of this. Yeah, sure.
2: And then I also do a lot of um, uh, webinars. We do a lot of webinars on multifamilyuniversity.com. So it's multifamilyu.com. So I host a lot of webinars and we're doing a lot of coronavirus town halls right now. Uh, we do about one a week, and they're super popular. Uh, we also do um, a lot of uh, uh, talks with like CPAs and uh, lawyers. So lots of content that's uh, we're all about education. We're not fluffy, so um, it's it's deep, con- a deep con- you know uh, education where they're ba- basically it's not like a podcast where we're just talking. The town halls are. But the webinars, we're they're projecting um, education on the screen and taking you through things to learn about the CARES Act, for example, and how it impacts real estate investors and what things they should be signing up for and what the, ta- the changes in the tax code, ways that real estate investors can take advantage of it. And that applies to um, single-family um, real estate investors as totally. well. So awesome. yeah, lots of content. You can find me once a week hosting uh, these webinars.
0: Cool. We'll definitely link that in our description. Um, so... Thanks to our listeners. If you have any questions about this, please reach out to me, Marie, or um, touch base with Anna. Visit multifamily you, see her education. Um, and hopefully we'll get to talk to you again in the future. Yeah, that'd be fun. Thanks, Brittany. Thanks, Marie. Thanks. Thank you.